Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 118. Welcome to Canaan Bound Podcast, a podcast designed to offer Christian rest during life's journey. Canaan Bound Podcast features devotional segments by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, along with church history, mission news, and music by various Christian artists who support our teaching. I'm Philip Wells, and this is episode number 64. To begin, let's join Pastor Aaron Nitz for a moment with the Master. Welcome to a moment with the Master. Our scripture reference for today is from Psalm 118, verse 1, and it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. So what do you thank God for? Food to eat? Water to drink? A car? Clothes to wear? A nice bed to sleep in? A house with heating? Indoor plumbing? Air to breathe? Health? All those things and so many, many more all come from the hand of our gracious God. We have so many things for which to give him thanks. But wait a minute. We forgot something. Indeed, the most important thing for which to give thanks. While it's nice to enjoy all those things that were mentioned and many more, they wouldn't really mean anything if God hadn't given us one more gift. For all those things, we will one day have to leave behind. So what's that one gift? It's God's love that endures forever. It's God's love that moved him to promise to send his own son to rescue us from eternal death. It's God's love that moved him to keep that promise as Jesus was sacrificed on the cross for your sins. It's God's love that worked faith into your heart to believe it and to swing wide open heaven's doors for you. Indeed, God is good and his love endures forever. I'm thankful to have such a God, now and forevermore, and so are you. The Lord bless and keep you this day and always. And now we join Pastor Tim Smith with God's Word for You. God's Word for You, Job 19, verses 28 and 29. There's recently been an update of the New International Version, the NIV. The NIV uh, came out originally in 1973. It was uh, the the Old Testament was finished by 1978. It was revised in 1984. Sometimes we have a problem in Bible class with people who have an older 78 NIV and a newer 84 NIV. Um, and up to this point, we've been using the 1984 NIV for our God's Word for You devotions on Job. Um, recently, our synod considered what we would do about the, the Bible translation in future publications because the NIV has been updated to what we now call the 2011 NIV from a few years ago. Um, we're going to continue to use uh, the new NIV, the NIV 2011 uh, from this point on, and, and today, in this devotion on Job 19, 28, 29, we'll just point out some of the changes that might be of interest to you. Now, I'm not an expert in the new NIV, and although, like all Wells pastors, I have training in translating the Bible's original languages, um, my main specialty with Hebrew and Greek is understanding the original 
text to make it clear to the congregation. Translation really is a special field all of its own. But let's look at these verses. Job says, if you say, how, will we, how, how we will hound him, since the root of the trouble lies in him, you should fear the sword yourselves, for wrath will bring punishment by the sword, and then you will know that there is judgment. This is really a long couplet finishing Job's words in chapter 19, and they round out the argument with a warning to his friends. We might say today, watch out, because what goes around comes around. And, and actually, <laughs> And this is true through much of the Bible. There are no differences here between the New and the Old NIV. They're exactly the same. In Job, this is true of actually 713 of the 1,070 verses, about 70%. The New NIV uses updates from another edition in 289 verses in Job and presents uh, between 60 and 70 verses that have new changes. I think it's 78. No, it's 68. Many of these changes have to do with things like punctuation and the spelling of names and other kinds of changes um, maybe we'll talk about in the verses to come. Keep in mind, however, Job has fallen into despair. Job has realized when he thought he had nothing left that what he really has is God himself. If God is for us, who can be against us? In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. And now, Grace Beyond My Need by Stephen Bautista.
Next, we have Freedom in Christ with Pastor Mark Falk. Galatians 4, 21-26, Slave or Free? Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and one and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively, for the women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. NIV 1984 Usually we who study scripture should avoid allegories. Allegories are extended pictures that find all sorts of hidden meanings that are not easily seen by the untrained eye. Allegorizing scripture has led to all sorts of mischief. People who claim special insight come up with many things that are questionable at at best, false and dangerous at worst. But this section is an exception. It is an exception because the Holy Spirit makes it so. It teaches us that there are truths in the Old Testament account of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and their children Ishmael and Isaac that may not at first meet the eye. The Holy Spirit is allowed to allegorize. He can reveal hidden meanings, and here he does. This discussion will take more than one day. But we can begin with this basic truth that those who want to return to life under the law of Moses, which was given by God, are returning to a form of slavery, of slavish obedience to laws that were never intended or given to save. These laws served as a fence around Israel. The sacrifices mandated in the law were striking shadows of redemption and salvation and freedom in the blood of the coming Messiah, Jesus. Those shadows could bring faith and save, but keeping the law as law was a heavy burden. There were so many details, and the Jews failed miserably. And then the scribes and leaders of many generations added layer upon layer of new rules. No one could stand up under the law. It was a heavy law and a heavy life. So many of God's chosen people became very adept at outward obedience and inward and rebellion. Their hearts were not right. Human hearts, apart from faith in Christ, are never right. Paul tells the Galatians very simply that if they wanted to be saved by law, even the law of God, they had better know what the law says, and then they had to do it. Then the allegory comes. Abraham and Sarah grew tired of waiting for the promised son. It was a moment of weakness in their ordinarily strong faith. Sarah gave her handmaid to Abraham. He was encouraged to defile his marriage bed, encouraged to do this by his own wife. A son was born, Ishmael, but this was not God's plan. Ishmael was the son born in the ordinary way, including, unfortunately, the all-too-ordinary act of sinners trying to play God. Then God taught a lesson and kept a promise. In old age, in very, very old age, a son of promise was born. 
Romans 4 makes it clear that Abraham's body was, quote, as good as dead, unquote. He was beyond the normal age for fathering children, and Sarah was well beyond the normal time for giving birth. And yet Isaac was born to them. Isaac was a miracle child, the one through whom the line of Messiah was to run, the ancestor of Jesus, the second of the three great patriarchs of Israel. Paul does something with this account that we could not and should not do ourselves. But Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Spirit. Hagar becomes a symbol of Sinai where the law is given. Now we may say that if the Jewish people had understood fully the purpose of this law, if they had centered their thoughts not just on the rules, but on the beautiful pictures of salvation in all the blood and sacrifice of the temple, then this law would and sometimes did preach freedom in Christ. Indeed, some Jews did just that. At the time of Jesus' birth, Simeon and Anna were such faithful believers, living under the law of Moses, but free from fear in their expectant faith in Messiah. But first century Jerusalem in general, that is the Jews who clung to salvation through the slavery of the Old Covenant, was living in slavery. Trying to please God apart from Christ will always enslave, whether in 30 A.D. or 2014 A.D. But there is another way. Isaac and Sarah lead us through Paul to another Jerusalem, the one that is above, the church where the freedom of forgiveness in the blood of Christ is preached and where every Christian is a child not of slavery, the ordinary way of things, but of promise the promise of Christ. The choice is freedom in Christ or slavery to rules. By grace, God makes this choice for us when he brings us to faith. Let us never choose slavery in its place. We end our time together this week with Do Not Worry, a song by Koine. This song is from a live concert download to receive occasional downloads, subscribe to Koine's mailing list at koinemusic.com. What do I wear? What do I eat? What do I need? I want to come out, oh, it's hard for me to sleep. Too much worry. Whoa. I have to hurry. Working by eight, best time in late. Rushing to the store, I'm just a feeling of what yesterday I hate.
flavor and spin. Where to begin? Not a king to pick her, all the quicker grows the hunger deep within. You do not win. Oh, you do not win. Into the pub, do it for sure. All the weapon which is such a greedy heart, it must go with me. You have been listening to episode 64 of Canaan Bound Podcast. This podcast was first shared in April of 2014. Visit CanaanBoundPodcast.com to learn how you can support the ministry of the Wells and of the artists featured on this podcast. Once again, my name is Philip Wells. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells ministry location near you. Thank you for listening.